Can anything good come from pain, addiction, disease, or darkness that resides within? Can we be transformed? Can we find new hope for what we think is hopeless? What would happen if we were awakened to an idea that begins the work of restoration? What if that idea began to mend us? This idea begins to transform our pain and hurt into something useful, something beautiful. It can be done. Our lives can be reclaimed. All right. Well, hey, Mountain. It's good to be together. My name's Sheriff Fox. One of the pastors here. Big shout out to all of our campuses. If you're watching online, welcome. Uh, we're in the series called Reclaimed. And uh, if you've been on the journey with us, hopefully it's been good for you. I know uh, for a lot of us, we, we grow excited when it comes to the idea of taking something old and, and kind of giving it new life, right? Like we like to see uh, something that might be worn out that you would discard and see somebody make something beautiful of it. Uh, I, I've enjoyed this my entire life. It started out in high school with a show called Pimp My Ride, okay? Exhibit would take like an old car, broken down car, and he put 24s on it and a plasma screen in it. Because why wouldn't you, right? Uh, and, and now it's transformed into Fixer Upper. So I've gone from Exhibit to Chip and Joanna Gaines, okay? Both extremes there. Uh, we, we like seeing the old made new. Uh, it's something we just enjoy naturally. Uh, the, the same is true of how I like to express myself. Um, if there's something broken in my house, I like to fix it, maybe give it new purpose, new life. Uh, in particular, my parents, they passed down a dresser to my wife and I. This is the very first item they bought as a married couple. So it's pretty old, and it's been beat up and moved a bunch and painted over and over and over again, and the drawers were certain, starting not to work on it. We were going to pitch it. We were going to discard it. And I said, you know what? Let me, let me see if I can make something out of it. And so I did, and here you go. Here's a picture of it, okay? From dresser to bookshelf thing, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's, you could pity me a little bit with like, yeah, you're not a professional, but okay, thanks. Yeah, um, I know it's not the greatest, but I tried, okay? I made something new of it. Or how about this? Maybe you've seen a, a water bottle before. Maybe you've used one, and when you're done with it, what do you do? You throw it in the trash. If you're a really good person, you might put it in a recycling bin. Uh, we discard these pretty quick. We don't see a lot of value in these. It's like, okay, it comes and it goes. It served its purpose. Now get rid of it. Well, there was one guy who saw a water bottle and saw something much more, and so he, start, he started collecting these. And he collected hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands, and, and he, he used something that we would discard to actually create the very place in which he lives. Check out this island that is floating on nothing but water bottles, right? So he stuffed them under all these pallets, and he covered it with dirt, and now there's vegetation, there's life, there's a house. I think it's a lot like living on a waterbed, but, you know, he created this island out of something old that most of us would just discard. We like taking something that's broken and giving it new life, and it turns out so does God. And for a lot of us, I think we might find ourselves uh, feeling much like we would have looked at that water bottle. Worthless, discarded, an object that no longer has purpose. So many of us, we're, we're living in hurt and pain and darkness. It seems like we're broken of little value. It seems like we're losing our hope in a lot of ways. Like the darkness in this life is overcoming so much of where we find our value, and it's blotting out the hope in our lives. And today, we're going to talk about reclaiming hope. Simply enough, we're going to talk about reclaiming hope. For the hopeless, there is hope. And I feel like we just got to start with the punchline. We got a book in this thing with a punchline, and here's the punchline. And here's what I want you to hear today. If you are feeling hopeless, if you feel like, like, where is my hope? Let me tell you something important today. There is hope that is found through faith in Jesus Christ. We have to know that. We have to understand it, and that's where we find our value. It's where we find our 
hope. You know, Jesus talks about this very thing. In John chapter 16, he's telling his disciples, like, hey, you've seen all that I've done. You've seen the goodness of God through me. But you got to know there's a time coming when I won't be with you anymore like this, walking side by side, doing ministry together. He says, life won't always be easy. And this is a verse we say a lot around here. I think it's for a good reason. Here's what he says. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me you may have hope. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Have hope. Be courageous. I have overcome the world. See, we need to start today by understanding that, that God is the author and creator of everything. Everything in this earth he made and sin entered the picture, it screwed it up, it goofed it up, and it's temporarily trying to extract the hope from our lives. And Jesus says, here's the deal, guys. I am reclaiming this world in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of whatever you are going through. Jesus is here. He is present. He is reclaiming you, and he is putting hope back into the lives of the hopeless. He says, I'm reclaiming everything that's mine, and you are his. We have to know that. We have to start there today. You can find peace because of the hope and faith of Jesus Christ. There's hope. Yet so many of us, we, we truly do feel hopeless. Hopelessness in our community seems to be on the rise. There's a bunch of reasons that people find themselves drowning in hopelessness, but today in particular I want to talk about mental illness, anxiety, and depression. Words that we hear probably far too often in our circles. It seems like so many struggle with the, the concept, the idea, the, 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 the mental illness, the, the pressure that comes. And anxiety and depression are an outcome of that. Many of us here today at all of our campuses and watching online, you're like, yeah, me. Yeah, maybe you just know somebody, maybe you've seen it in your peripherals, or maybe it is you that has dealt with this. I know I have as of late, and this is a pretty fresh wound for me. A few months ago, I found myself, it was Monday morning, I got out of bed, and I started on my day, and uh, we had a team retreat with our Abingdon campus team, and I, I headed out on the retreat. I, just, I woke up that morning just not feeling right. My, my body ached, my, my head was fuzzy. I had kind of this underlying tone of fear in the back of my head. I couldn't understand. I couldn't get motivated or excited about what was coming. Like, I was going to have a retreat with my team. I should have been excited about it. Yet, I found myself walking into it thinking, I, I must have like some strand of the flu, right? There's something overcoming my body. But I'm going to push through because I'm tough. I'm going to make it through. So I did. I show up and we do our retreat and the retreat goes on. And throughout the day, people are asking, hey, you okay? Yeah, I think so. I think I just might have a little, little bug or something. The retreat ends, I go home, and I fall on my couch, and I feel, like, paralyzed. Didn't want to do anything. Just wanted to lay there. The next day comes. It's the fun day of our retreat. We're going to go ride go-karts together. And I, I call up our associate campus pastor and say, Sarah, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I just don't feel good. And I laid there all day. My body ached. My mind was fuzzy. Can't explain the fear that I felt. Fast forward Wednesday, I'm still on the couch. Thursday, still on the couch, calling into work. That weekend comes, Sunday comes, I gotta go to church, right? Like, I, I gotta be at my campus. So I show up and I, I walk on the platform for the 805, and something about that moment, I don't know what it is, I can't put my finger on it, but all that pain in my body, the achiness, came to a place where it just kind of centered on my chest, and I felt like my, my heart was going to beat through my chest. I never felt pain like that before, and after I get done delivering the communion thought, I walk off the stage, I hand the mic to Sarah, and I say, you know, I'm out of here, and I leave. 
and I end up at the urgent care. I get up on, on the bed, I'm sitting on the side of it, and she, she does a chest x-ray, she does an EKG, she asks me some questions, and she says, I think you're having a panic attack. I said, no, that, that can't be. Like, I don't do panic attacks, okay? That's not me. I, I'm an achiever. I get stuff done. I, I'm, I'm fast-paced. I don't do panic attacks. You got the wrong person. She gave me some pills to help me sleep. I took one. I slept a little better. I felt like I hadn't slept in days, right? Well, the next day, I find myself, once again, sitting on the couch, having trouble to get motivated to do anything. The, the pain is still there, and it's real. I end up going to work because I feel like I have to. I'm just staring at a screen, not doing anything of a lot of value for anyone around me. You want to make matters worse, like that was the week of March Madness. Like I, I couldn't even enjoy March Madness. What's up with that, right? I found myself there miserable watching basketball, which is my first love. Sorry, third love, okay? I, like I just, I couldn't find myself really enjoying the moment. That Friday morning, I, I got up and I paced back and forth in my house. And finally, I mustered up the courage to say to my wife, I, I think I go to the hospital pain is real. And she said, no, the hospital's too expensive. Just go to the doctor. Go to your doctor. And so I did. And I went, I went to the doctor's office and he started just talking to me and listening out all of these things. We started answering questions and, and I was asking him questions. And we, we spent about a half hour together just talking. And finally he says, hey man, I think, I think you're having a panic attack. I think you've got anxiety. It's like, oh no, not you too, right? You're not going to misdiagnose this also. Like, I don't do anxiety. It's not who I am. But by the end of that conversation, I realized something I didn't want to realize. I was struggling. I was anxious. I was suffering from a mild depression. I thought I was exempt. I really did. And so many of us, we suffer in the same way. Anxiety and depression, it likes to creep in and knock on the door and extract the hope from your life. While I've maybe suffered just from mild depression as of late, I've gotten to see the full depths of it firsthand. Growing up, my mom, uh, she suffered for dep- from depression for a very long time. I-, I don't know all the details. I didn't know all the ugly skeletons in her closet at the time. All I know is I walked by the living room, and there was my mom sitting in her chair, bawling her eyes out day after day. Anxiety and depression, they're real. And they mess with us. Maybe we should start by understanding what anxiety and depression are. Let me, let me frame it up for you this way. As I started in this journey of seeking healing, I, I started doing some reading, and I came across this book, My Name is Hope. I'd suggest it. If you're struggling with anxiety and depression, pick up a copy. Let it be a blessing to you like it has been to me. But he, he defines anxiety this way. Maybe the easiest way to frame it is fear. But he says this, Fear is not always bad, but when fear becomes perverted and warped into something long-lasting and drawn out, you end up with something called anxiety. And depression, he frames this way, okay? Depression is hopelessness. When you're tired all the time, when your dreams and desires for the future die, and all motivation and energy is gone, when life is really, really horrible. Anxiety and depression, it's real. And the proof is all around us. I mean, you just look at suicide rates, Worldwide, they're actually trending down, but here at home, they're trending up by 30%. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about suicide, although it certainly deserves it. But unfortunately, I've had to walk side by side with too many people in recent years who have lost a loved one due to suicide. Just in recent weeks, we've had to mourn with our school systems as they've lost a couple of students to suicide. 
And while we won't spend a lot of time here, I do want to say this. If you're someone who, who struggles with suicidal thoughts, you might think that's the only way out. You might think that you're a burden to those around you. And I need to tell you something, and I want you to listen up, and I want you to hear it clearly. You are not a burden. You're not an inconvenience. You are loved. You are cherished. We don't want you gone. We just want you healthy. And there's a path to healing that I think can start today through the hope found in Jesus Christ. Be bold and be courageous and tell somebody, we want to walk this journey with you. Don't give in to it. Take heart in your pain and know that he has overcome the world. Suicide rates are one example of anxiety and depression on the rise. Sin, sin patterns are another. Sin patterns are changing, especially in teens. The communal risk behaviors are down, such as partying, drinking, drug use, premarital sex, while private risk behaviors are on the rise. Things like porn addiction, depression, anxiety, and suicide. As a student pastor for 10 years, I saw the gradual progression on our student trips when we would be responsible for administrating uh, antidepressants and anxiety medication to students who would be on these trips with us. Anxiety and depression are the most common mental health disorders in the United States, impacting nearly one-third of people in this country. And that's just those who are diagnosed. Studies show that more than 50% of people in our country are dealing with anxiety and depression. Just a lot of them don't know it yet. The walls are performing and succeeding. They're like, they're smashing in around us. The pressures of success are high. The fear of missing out is only elevated by social media. Anxiety is real and it messes with us, y'all. It's not just a modern day issue. No, uh, mental illness has been a struggle for as long as God's people have been sinning. And I got news for you, that's a pretty long time. Solomon talked about this in Proverbs. He says, anxiety weighs down the heart. The word heart there means the inner part, the thought, the conscious, your mind. Anxiety weighs down your mind and it causes us to lose hope and it, it, it can extract the hope from your life. And if you gloss back through the Bible, you realize, yeah, people have dealt with this for a long time. You got Hannah, the mother of Samuel. She was barren at this point in which she's speaking and by that she, she couldn't be with child in a day and age where that's where she would have found her value. And so she cries out to God. The scriptures say, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. So people around her thought, oh, she must be drunk, right? She says, I'm not drunk. I'm just praying because of my anguish and my grief. You could feel the deep emotional pain. Elijah, right, great Elijah, he defeats the prophets of Baal, and he takes off running for his life, and he falls down in the middle of the desert, and he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. Look at David, the great King David, the one that beat Goliath and rescued God's people, but also the notorious sinner. There's probably no one more clearly who lived in the peaks and valleys in his life than David. David wrote over two-thirds of the Psalms, many of which are lamenting to God in pain and anxiety. And in particular, in Psalm 6, he says, Have mercy on me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I'm in anguish. I'm worn out from my groaning. You can feel the pain. Those are some of the old guys, right? How about the new guys in the New Testament? You got, you got Paul. Paul lived a radical life for Jesus, but he had a lot of skeletons in his closet, and they were constantly knocking at the door, and the life he lived was a tough one, and he said he constantly found himself in sorrow. Or Peter, 
Jesus said, when the rooster crows the third time, you will have betrayed me. Fast forward to the third time when he hears the rooster crow and he realizes Jesus' words. He says he went outside and he wept bitterly. He felt the pain. And Jesus, even Jesus felt sorrow in his life. When his friend Lazarus died, it says that he wept, or maybe better translated, he sobbed or convulsed with grief. Even Jesus knows what our emotional pain feels like. Lamentations and the Psalms, they're books full of lamenting, expressing hurt, casting anxiety and depression. And you got to wonder, okay, if this is a problem as old as time itself, well, how do we deal with it? Because i got news for you. All those people that I just listed off from Scripture, guess what? They still had hope in the midst of their pain, in the midst of the anxiety and depression, and in the midst of the emotional baggage that they were carrying. They still had hope. And how? Well, they trusted what Jesus said in John 16. Take heart. He is reclaiming the world. Or phrased another way, have faith. You've got to have faith. You've got to trust that he's with you. Listen, Jesus didn't say, by believing in me, the pain's going to magically disappear. But he did say that you can have peace in the midst of the pain. Turns out hope is not the absence of pain, but real hope is faith in the face of pain. It's realizing that Jesus is here, he is present, he has not forsaken us, and he has a plan, and he is redeeming, and he is reclaiming each and every single one of us. We are not alone. Even when we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. He has not left us. He will not leave us. And all throughout Scripture, God's people, they they would cast their cares back on him, and they would walk by faith and have hope because of their faith. Psalm 55, it says, it's cast your cares on the Lord. All that stuff that you're dealing with, cast it on the Lord, and He will sustain you. 1 Peter 5, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Trust, trust in the strength of God and the plan that God has in place. He'll lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. How about Isaiah 50? Who among you fears the Lord? Who among you has faith in God? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. In this trouble, there will, in this world, there will be trouble. But you can have peace and you can take heart and you can have hope because Jesus has overcome the world and he is reclaiming each and every single one of us. You can have hope and peace through faith in the powerful and very present name of Jesus. For many of us today, that's where we need to start. We need to trust that Jesus can handle our anxiety and depression. And we need to find hope in the midst of it. If you're here today and you're in the darkness and you're looking for a way out, can I, can I just encourage you would, you, would you give Jesus a chance? Would you? He wants to reclaim you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you hope when hope doesn't make sense. Here in a couple weeks, we're going to have 
a baptism splash, and maybe you need to step out in faith and give your life, surrender your life to Jesus. If that's you, I just want to encourage you, grab this connection card off your bulletin, rip it off if I can. There we go. Rip it off, okay? Write splash across it real big. Make sure you give us your name too, and we're going to plan to see you in the water as we walk this journey together that starts by having faith in Jesus and who he said he is and who he is now and who he will be forever because he is saying, I want to reclaim you. He's reclaiming what his and you are his step out on faith and trust him that list of biblical representatives who dealt with anxiety and depression that we just walked through well some found their way out of the darkness for hannah she eventually found herself with child for elijah his anxiety and depression was short-lived and his story turned out pretty great paul lived faithfully as did peter jesus wept but he knew the plans the father had and he lived faithfully by him that's not the case for everyone some, much like my own mother, well, they'll, they'll walk in some darkness their entire life. It's looming there. Turns out the same is true of David. He can relate. Constantly in the peaks and valleys. We read about it in Psalms. Psalm 13, he says, How long, Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with these thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? You can feel his pain. It's real. How long am I going to suffer with anxiety and depression? How long am I going to go through this emotional turmoil? Yet something amazing about David is even in the midst of the pain, he has hope. Look at how this chapter of Psalms ends. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart will rejoice in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. We have a God who's been really good to us. If you know Jesus, you know that. Even in the darkness, David's faith brings him hope. He trusts in God. So how do we overcome hopelessness? How how do we find peace in the midst of trouble and the darkness of anxiety and depression? By trusting Jesus' words. You can have peace in this world. There's going to be trouble. But you can have peace because I am overcoming it and I am reclaiming it. It starts with faith. Giving Jesus a chance. And I wish I could tell you that the pain would go away forever, but I can't. However, I can promise you that you can have hope in the midst of the pain. you got to have faith. And faith is a lot like a muscle. It's something we got to work out and strengthen. So I want to give you a few ways that maybe you can strengthen your faith. And as you do this, I don't know, maybe it will happen for me, will happen for you. And the anxiety and the depression will sort of get pushed out as the hope swells up. But strengthen your faith and see how God uses it. And if nothing else, you can find hope in the midst of it all. So strengthen your faith through prayer and reading. It's a pretty simple one, right? Jesus, he says in Matthew 11, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, uh, take, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's the deal. We've got to get to know Jesus. We've we got to get closer to Jesus. And the way that we do that is through reading of Scripture and through praying honestly to God. Not praying out some sort of religious prayers with big words, but just being honest and transparent about how we feel and falling to your knees and asking God to do something with you. This is what I did in my sorrow. 
from the get-go, I would open up Scripture, I, I would read about Jesus and His power. And then I would pray honestly, and I'd tell God, this hurts, this isn't fun, I don't enjoy it, I want it to go away, but I trust you. I trust you. we got to draw close to Jesus, and the primary way we can do that is by voicing prayers and by soaking in the Word of God. you got to strengthen your faith through community. When I finally mustered up the courage to go talk to Luke about how I was feeling, well, he told me something that I want you to hear today if you're struggling with anxiety and depression. These are words that you need to hear. He told me, you've got to come out of hiding. You've got to come out of hiding. This is not a journey you were meant to do alone, but instead, God gave us his church. He gave us this community for a reason. Galatians 6, it says, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Turns out, we're not meant to do this life alone. And in a world where fellowship has become talking about the weather and sports, God calls us to real, raw, authentic relationships with people who are on a similar trajectory of faith, seeking hope in Jesus Christ. And through that, we build each other up. And so I took his advice and I started talking about it. And I got to tell you, I did not want to talk about it. There is a lot of pride inside of this man. I don't want to tell you right now. I'm terrified to do it. But I believe that God has said, use your voice and find other people who love me, who can encourage you, who can build you up, who can pour into you. That's why my church exists, to carry each other's burdens. And so I started to do it. And hope started to swell. And the anxiety started to decrease. And I felt like I had others on the journey with me. And I people texting me and praying for me and calling me and hope started to take over again guys god gave us his church for a reason he gave us community for a reason come out of hiding and talk about it have real relationships dig in let people care about you get over yourself because i know i've had to and i don't enjoy it But through it, I found hope, and I found peace, and I have courage because I know that my God is reclaiming me. Everyone received one of these cards today on your way in, a care group card. On the front, I will draw attention. It's got a suicide lifeline. If that's you today, if you're struggling with that, call somebody. But maybe you need to find a group that's going to help you to find hope. There's a whole list here. I'll draw your attention to the unburdened one pretty far down the page there. It's support for people with anxiety and depression. Be bold, be courageous, and seek help. Take a step of faith and trust Jesus and trust his community to come alongside you and help you find hope. You also need to strengthen your faith by taking care of your body. How your body feels will have a direct correlation on how your soul feels. You know, your mind and your body are connected. You can go back to the Pushing the Limits series if you want. Listen, to, I had the opportunity to preach on, on taking care of your body there. And there's some good stuff. You, you need to sleep. You need to exercise. You need to create good margin. You need to give God his time. Maybe you need to go see a doctor. I'm not quick to prescribe medication. After all, in my household, there's an essential oil for anything that's wrong with you. I promise, okay? <laughs> but maybe you need to go see a doctor. And maybe medication will be necessary for a season. You know, my doctor looks first towards lifestyle adjustments and then towards medication. But for some, medication is needed to to push down the pain temporarily so that you feel like you can dig out of the hole that you're in. And that is okay. There is no shame in it. Go see a doctor. Let somebody else help take care of your body. 
Maybe you need to go see a counselor. This is part of taking care of your body. Uh, for the first time ever in my life through this season, I've, uh, I've put myself into counseling. And I got to tell you, I really like it. Like, I could talk about all of you, and she can't tell you. It's amazing, right? <laughs> I found myself sitting there talking to her, being, being able to be open and honest about anything and everything. And through it, she's offered me amazing tips that have helped to create new grooves in my brain, as she says, it, that helped me to overcome the anxiety. She's given me tips on how to live my life in a way that's going to help me to overcome it. Go find a Christian counselor and allow them to invest in you. If you take care of your body, your physical health, it will impact your emotional health and your faith, and hope will start to swell. And I, I so dearly wished today that I, I could enter this conversation and say, hey, here are the five steps to overcoming anxiety and depression. You're going to be okay. I don't have five steps for you, but you are going to be okay if you have faith in Jesus. You might struggle. There might be trouble. You might experience pain, but you'll have hope and you'll have peace. Because we worship a good God who is with us. God's reclaiming me. God's reclaiming my mom. And God's reclaiming my friend Rihanna. I asked Rihanna if she'd be willing to share her story, kind of her journey of anxiety and depression. It's much different than mine, but we are on a similar journey of finding hope. And so join me if you would and welcome in Rihanna. So, Rihanna is a worship pastor over at Edgewood campus. That's Edgewood! Holler, yep, there you go. Um, and as I've gotten to know Rihanna, um, she's told me her story, a story that uh, certainly isn't without um, some deep sorrow and sadness in her life and depression as well. And so, if you would, Rihanna, I think it'd be good, if you don't mind, just to, to share how you came to the place of, as you've described it, feeling hopeless. Sure. Um started out life believing in Christ. My grandfather was a deacon in his church and made sure that I was there at church with him every weekend as much as he could get me, even though I was a custody kid. So I went back and forth between my parents. But no matter what, if I could get to church with him, I was good and I knew who, who the Lord was. Uh, when I was nine, my adopted older brother began molesting me. And that went on for a few years, and I didn't know it at the time, but I was going through something that just caused shame. I felt that as a teenager, as a young adult. Fast forward a few years, and I met the man of my dreams, <laughs> and we had two sons, and then we got married, uh, and then we had another, another child, a daughter. And then September 11th hit. And he finally was honest with me and told me, I don't want to do this anymore. And he left me and the kids for another woman. So we divorced, and I picked up my kids, and I took them back to Michigan where my mom was and started life new there. I decided that I needed to go to college because I needed to take care of these kids now as a single mom. So I immediately did that and jumped into being a full-time student as well as a single mom and went to the doctor once and found out that I had an undetected STD that had morphed itself into cancer. So now I'm a single mom who's a full-time student going through cancer treatments. Eventually, uh, I had surgery and the cancer went into remission and um, I was finishing my college career. 
my final semester in school, my father had a stroke. And so I then became his legal guardian. So I'm a single mom, full-time college student. I'm at that point a cancer survivor and the legal guardian of my own father. You know, I've heard it uh, kind of summed up and framed like this. Anxiety oftentimes will show itself uh, this way. So it's like having a credit card with a high limit and you, you swipe it and you swipe it and you swipe and all along you're kind of making minimum payments here and there, but the debt accumulates and it builds and it builds and it builds. And so you swipe the card uh, through the, the pain of your childhood and, and going through that. Uh, you swipe the card um, through your husband leaving you and you swipe the card through uh, being a single mom and through cancer and you swipe it and you swipe it and you swipe it and then all of a sudden it's maxed out and anxiety and depression feels like the debtor saying, hey, your, your debt is now pay, due in full. Like pay up. And something happened. All this anxiety is building in your life and then the debtor says, hey, it's due. Pay up. What happens? Once I graduated from college, I moved myself and my kids down here to the D.C. area, and I was still taking care of my father as his legal guardian, but one day I got the call that my father passed. And he's in Michigan, and I'm here. And everything fell apart at that moment. I felt the weight of all of that past grief fall on me all at once. And you entered into what we frame up as depression, but you felt hopeless in a way. Expr explain what the depression felt like for you. For me, it was a physical ache. It felt like when you decide you want to go and you want to start on a new workout plan. So you're going to go, and that first day you got a really good full body workout, and the next day your muscles are locked up with soreness. You cannot move. All you want to do is stretch or get in a, a hot tub but it's gonna take a minute for you to get there. That's what it felt like for me. All of my muscles were sore. I couldn't find the strength to get out of the bed. I had no interest in eating. I didn't even want to take a shower or change clothes. I was content with just laying there, letting this pain overtake me. I love my kids, but there was nothing that I could do for them at that point. They had to learn how to cook for themselves. They sent themselves to school. There was nothing that was pulling me out. I had no, no good thoughts, no real bad thoughts. I just, there were no thoughts. I was just there, stuck. Hopeless, in a way. Hopeless. But that's not the end of the story. Uh, we know that. You're sitting here now. You found hope. Oh, yeah. Lead us down that journey. How did you find hope? My mom had the kids for a period of time over the summer. And one day, you know, after sitting stewing in myself for a while I remembered back to my childhood going to church with my grandfather and when you know the truth you know the truth you know that there is hope out there and so I picked up the phone and I called my sister in California and I said hey do you know of any local churches to me here in DC now this at this point you had been out of church for a while oh some years okay absolutely and so 10 minutes after I got off the phone with her, I get a phone call from a stranger saying, hey, I know your sister. She gave me a call. I would love for you to come to church with me. I would be willing to pick you up. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so the next morning I find myself in a stranger's car at a stranger's church. But like I said, when you know the truth, you know. I found myself sitting in church just 
amazed at the love that was shown, the scriptures that I was given. I found myself joining a small group, getting with a bunch of women who wanted to study the Bible with me. I was doing things, getting out of the house. My kids were invited to things. I found community. I found people who wanted to know. They would stop and say, how you doing? And wait for an answer, you know? That's, that was, that was love. That was, it was real. And I couldn't help just to, to, to relish in it. So your faith reignited. You got plugged into a church. You started reading scripture. Uh, you got in community. You started to take care of your body and your, the, the faith swelled and the hope swelled with it once again. I, I wish, wish we could tell you how that was in the story. She's like, we're all fixed, right? Uh, but that's not. Uh, Rihanna's been really honest about how she still struggles today. The pain is still there in some way. So walk us down the journey as of late. Two years ago, I changed careers. I am here as a pastor now, but my anxiety has been at an all-time high. It's been to the point recently where I can't ride in the passenger side of someone's car without, you know, seizing up and closing my eyes for fear that I'm going to go through this windshield. Standing out in the commons and talking to people makes me really nervous. Being up here, though, praising God, I look back at David. David found himself in hiding. He was in caves. And when he was in hiding, he had nothing better to do than praise God. He worshiped and he practiced that worship. And so that when he came out of those caves, it came off of his tongue like it was air. And so I find myself doing the same thing when I am in my cave, when I am in that darkness. There's nothing that I can do but praise and worship. I love singing so that when I get here in front of people, it comes off of my tongue like air. I still see my therapist every other Friday. Uh, I've been doing that now for two years. And my therapist, Christian counselor, uh, knows that we have Celebrate Recovery here at Mountain and said, hey, why don't you go check that out? And I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I can do that. I'm a pastor at my church. Should I really be showing up to something like Celebrate Recovery? Is it's like uh, there might be broken people here, all, like on staff and not, wow, what did you think? It's church, has broken people like us. Okay. Right. Go ahead. So I began going, but only after I talked to my supervisor who said, well, you're a regular person. You go through regular trials. So, uh, yes, I think it would be good for you to go to Celebrate Recovery where there are regular people going through regular trials. And so I am grateful to say that just earlier this week, I got my one-year coin saying that God is going to take my burden. Amen. A year ago, <laughs> amen. A year ago, I, I gained up enough courage to be able to say, okay, God, You've got this. It's not going to win. Yeah, that's good, Ryan. I appreciate you sharing that. I know, uh, I know it's been a journey. And I hope Brianna's story is encouraging to you if you are struggling with anxiety and depression that uh, the words from Scripture are true. Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. And Jesus says... In this world, you might experience some trouble. And a lot of us, we experience that. We see it, we feel it. But he tells us, take heart. Be courageous. Have hope 
and have peace because of it, because Jesus is reclaiming us all. Have faith. Give Jesus a chance to inject that hope back into your life. Let's pray together. God, you're, uh, you're good. And we thank you uh, for your love for us. God, so many of us, we struggle with mental illness, anxiety, and depression. And God, sometimes it starts to feel hopeless. God, my prayer is that today you're injecting that hope back into us through the name of Jesus Christ. That we might have faith in you and declare, just like David did, that our God is good. God, sustain us. Give us hope. Thank you for your community that helps hold us up. And God, encourage each of us today in the ways that we need to be encouraged to take steps in faith. But diving into the relationship with you and community. To come out of hiding. And to let you do the work that you do through us. Give us hope. It's your name we pray. Amen. Yeah.